With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Seahawks fans wherever you may be welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks playbook podcast Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. Uh, we are continuing our uh, roster look, uh, position group look at all of the uh, players on the current 90-man roster. And we are now uh, to the defensive end group. So we did defensive tackles on the interior, very interior. Now we're going to do kind of our three-tech, um, five-tech, defensive ends in this defense and uh welcome in keith yeah so um yeah we hit nose tackle really hard in the last episode and um nose tackle is an interesting um group and this is a it's odd because you'd think defensive line there's going to be a lot of overlap and and except for in like third long there's just not a lot of overlap between the um nose tackles and the defensive ends yeah, there may be a little bit between the three techs moving inside a little bit because it seems like we're playing faster, more athletic guys, maybe on passing down. So there may be a little bit of that. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit today. Um, they did release one of our defensive tackles, possibly two. Um, Forrest Merrill uh, mm-hmm. is no longer on the on the team. I'm just looking at this list really quick. And, um, and yeah. There was another guy that was released, I think, prior to our recording. We already had information on that, but Forrest Merrill was let go just the other day <clears throat> after we recorded that show, made that room even lighter, um, which is 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 hard to do. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to do it, you do it in June. 
um, mm-hmm. and uh, you have enough time to uh, to balance this thing out. But was that a pun? Because we're talking about three hundred and thirty pound <laughs> defensive linemen. Uh, yes, intended, right? Yes, uh, uh-huh. of course it is. So before we get started today, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, OTAs and injury updates. Michael uh, Dugar, Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic wrote an article covering the OTAs and had a bunch of information on injury updates. And since uh, a lot of people don't have access to The Athletic, uh, I would recommend having getting access to The Athletic because it's a terrific uh, base of writers and lots of information about the Seahawks specifically. Um, but thought I'd share some of that insight because it was good. Pete Carroll came on record and talked about a lot of different guys, <clears throat> and I thought I'd share a few things. Uh, number one, uh, he talked about Tariq Woolen, uh, had arthroscopic uh, knee surgery on May 23rd. It was successful. Uh, he said he's got four to six week recovery and uh, training camp is not in jeopardy. He's going to be on time. Everything's going to be good. Apparently he tweaked it just walking in between plays, um, which, which is tough. I guess that happens. I mean, a lot of wear and tear, a lot of uh, sudden starts, stops, uh, agility, all that kind of stuff. And you got to be careful. I mean, <clears throat> what do you think of, of uh, an injury like this to, to an emerging best player on the defense, Tariq Woolen, and his long-term ability to kind of manage that? Well, I mean, it is uh, it is a major concern. I mean, this is a guy that was um, uh, a pro bowler um, and looked all pro, like, ready as a rookie, which is crazy. Um, and you need... We, the team needs him healthy. I mean, um, you don't lose a player that good and 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 not take a major hit. Um, so I they just really need to take and slow play this. You've got um, we're in in early June. The season starts in September. You've got time to go through and and um, make sure that that this isn't a lingering thing. And if it is, then. Um, is there something else you can do? I would rather have the Seahawks um, lose him for part of a season in order to get something cleaned up so that he doesn't have a problem than have him um, like be constantly hampered by something all year. Agreed. And, you know, Pete indicated that it was a cartilage-related uh, tissue uh, issue and so not structural um, so it was good that they they found this, went in, cleaned it up. Um, shouldn't be an issue. It doesn't indicate that it would be an, a continuing problem uh, necessarily or unrelated to any other future uh, knee things. So hopefully that's it. Um, one of the one of the more concerning notes on a player I um, I heard was that Brian Monet had ACL surgery during the season. We all knew that <clears throat> came late in the season. But Carol said, "quote." It's been a little up and down for him. It hasn't been quite as forward as moving as some of the other recoveries. He's a huge guy, <clears throat> 360 pounds. It's harder on him than it is on other guys. He's been here the whole time, and he's dedicating himself to it. We're hoping he'll make it back. We're counting on him, quote, unquote. That so that doesn't sound not, good for Pete Carroll. That, see, Pete Carroll is super optimistic about everything, right? <laughs> And that does not sound optimistic, which means um, he'll not be back. Pete's trying to admit that that it it doesn't look good. He he won't be ready. Which is crazy because it's you know it's not crazy in ACL. 
you know, 90% of the time, those things are successful mm-hmm. as far as, uh, the actual surgery. Now, if it, it, something's weird and it just doesn't happen or there's some other peripheral injury they didn't see before the surgery and they went in they did the surgery and the other things, a uh, hampering recovery, um, that could be an issue. So we just don't know. We're hoping well, he'll make it, it back, which is not look or sound good. Some of it though is, is when, um, when they go in and, and they do an, an ACL reconstruction, it kind of depends on how much damage to overall to the entire knee. Like, um, you know, if you're a, if you're an NFL running back or, uh, you know, whatever, like a lot of when they, cause those are guys that do that, you know, when they go in, if it, if you're, the knee's already a mess and mangled, it, it makes for a really a harder surgery and a harder recovery. Um, if remember when, um, Adrian Peterson tore his in December, but made it back for the first week of the season, but the doctor had gone in and said it was like, you know, a, a kid's injury as far as like how healthy the knee was, which everyone was shocked at because he's a running back. Um, but that's how he made it back so quick. We're talking about a guy who's 360 pounds and does athletic things like, you know, play football in the NFL. Um, his knees might have been just not uh, in great shape already because of just the wear and tear on that joint when you're that big. Um, and if his knees were in, you know, kind of messed up shape when they went in to try and do this, it's going to mean the surgery is going to be harder and it's going to take a lot longer to get back. And, you know, when you've got that much weight and you're carrying it around and, and um, you know, it's easy to do something where you tweak something a little bit and, and pull something here or, you know, whatever, and, and just, slow your recovery down so it, it just makes it harder when you're when i mean he's a nose tackle they the team wants him big but um you know it's, it just makes for these things to be tougher so let me ask you this <clears throat> prior to the draft we went through a free agency period we went through the draft i would think that the seahawks were receiving updates on his condition or or um as mm-hmm. far as recovery and, and working out and so forth, any setbacks. And then they, they went through free agency. They really didn't get a nose tackle at all. Nope. Brian Monet was literally on the roster as the only nose tackle prior to the draft. They waited until the fourth round, grabbed Cameron Young. And then mm-hmm. after the draft, they really didn't do anything. They, they grabbed a couple of uh, rookie undrafted free agents to, to fill out the roster. And then they released Merrill. Now we find out that, Brian Monet possibly won't be back um, at the start of the season, and, and nobody knows at this point. And they still haven't really addressed the the position. I I'm I'm kind of now questioning what's going on uh, in John Schneider's office. Well, I think it it sounds to me when you look at all that that it's intentional that this is a um, position that is a two down position. Um, and it's one where they're like, we can, cause this, remember the team was cap strapped for most of uh, this off season. Uh, and they can, you know, at, at some point you have to like figure out, well, how are we going to use that cap space? And they chose to spend it on young, who's going to play right next to our, the nose tackle than on the nose tackle. Um, it felt also that. Kuna Ford um, and or Al Woods were going to be sitting there. They're going to wait till after the draft. And then 
um, figure out what they how, what they did, make a decision. One of those guys would come back, and one of the both of those guys signed right before um, Seattle would have brought one of them in. And so now they're like, well, that our our plan B isn't there anymore. Um, my guess is they have a plan C, and it is, um, you know, there's there are guys that they can, um, you know, make a trade for um, a younger nose tackle whose name you know, most of us have probably never heard of because nose tackles don't get a lot of press, and you know, they're guys in the middle that eat space and and all of that. But they can yep. make a trade for for a for a nose tackle for the year, or um, wait until you know getting closer to the season like after training camp and the preseason and just watch the waiver wire because there are guys that will get cut because you know salary cap issues or their team drafted you know their replacement and um so they know you know we, we kind of have an idea there's some guys that are probably going to be cut so we're watching for that and they'll bring someone in um not long before the start of the season to pick up that spot yeah, and there's an excess of defensive tackles in this league. And, uh, you know, there's just the opposite uh, problem for Seattle right now, but a lot of teams have ex- uh, ex- uh, excess um, defensive tackles on their roster. And you're right, there'll be something available. It happens every year that way. It's just mm-hmm. hard as a fan to be patient and wait this thing out and not have somebody in camp that they can rotate with Cameron Young as well is is, is tough. It, it gives a good opportunity, though, for a couple of those undrafted rookie free agents to at least get some playing time possibly uh, on the field in preseason uh, to be able to showcase what they've got, if not for Seattle, somebody else. So mm-hmm. there's that. <clears throat> okay, let's keep going here so we can get to our, our main segment. Uh, Abe Lucas, offseason shul- uh, shoulder surgery. Carroll said he's doing great. His strength is almost all the way back. There's no hesitation that he'll make it back. Quite the opposite of the Monet statement. Um, standout players at OTAs, and uh, I'll just kind of go through them. Um, Geno Smith, been playing well, very well, came in, ready to lead, has done that, shown by example, also made all the throws, everything you want out of a franchise guy. Um, that's great. I've been hearing the opposite of Drew Locke, to be completely honest. Um, just not quite ready, uh, errant throws, um, that, that sort of thing. Nothing to read into mm-hmm. it too much yet, but seems like Geno Smith was just ready to go, which is good news. Michael Jackson. <clears throat> Apparently making play after play during practice. Passes knocked down, interceptions just all over the field. Not going to give up that outside corner spot so easily. Pete Carroll just, you know, basically raved about him. Uh, uh, kind of a veteran presence in the secondary. Kind of coming in, just being ready um, mm-hmm. to, to to compete. And um, I thought that was that was great. Um, yeah, it's, that's a good problem to have where you have three guys that you really want on the field in the two yeah. positions. Yeah, and, so and I, okay. You know, which, I was saying it, it also makes it better with you know Woolen having the you know the knee issue and not getting a chance to be out there um, and whatnot. Is it you know when it comes to at least with, with practice and the practice reps, you, if if Jackson's playing at that you know at a high level and that kind of stuff, it it does mimic for the rest of the defense having um, you know Woolen in there, and so it's a it's you know I, I don't I. I'm not that surprised that Jackson has come in and, and, you know, they drafted um, his replacement five overall and he's in here 
um, ready to go and, and taking every rep seriously. He does not want to give up his job. Yeah. Uh, or and if he if he does lose it, he wants a showcase for other teams and be like, yeah. I'm ready. I'm I'm a guy that can contribute. Come trade for me. Yeah, and maybe maybe they do trade Mike Jackson for a defensive tackle. <laughs> for a nose tackle. Um, yeah, nose tackle, right. Okay. Uh Jake Bobo, uh wide receiver out of UCLA has been showing up, I guess, every day in practice, enough for Pete Carroll to single him out um as a guy that's uh making some plays, making thing, things happen. Uh not an athletic guy, but a big guy. So six four, two hundred plus pounds, um, kind of a red zone, red zone target. He's just been making play after play. Mike Morris has been standing out. Aluatimi, uh, the the center. Uh, both guys uh, drafted out of uh, Michigan. Charbonnet has been showing up. Uh, Pete Carroll called him a season. Uh, looks like a seasoned vet. Bobby Wagner, of course. Uh, everyone loves Bobby Wagner, and uh, he's been making rounds uh, in the locker room and uh, endearing himself to all the rookies. And Tariq Smith, which is this is one of the good news stories out of camp, is that. Um, Clint Hurt singled him out as a guy that's showed up and has ready to taken his off season seriously, showed up healthy and ready to uh, fight for a, a spot in the rotation as a edge rusher. Tyreek Smith, mm-hmm. we drafted him last year, didn't get on the field, went on injury reserve the entire season out of Ohio state, but he's got some pass rushing chops and he's waiting to, mm-hmm. to unleash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And then, uh, Geno Smith mentioned, uh, singled out Jackson Smith uh, and Jingba as a wide receiver that's just really looking good uh, right out of the gate. And uh, uh, Jingba uh, started slowly because of a hamstring. They're kind of easing him in. Now he's kind of doing drills, working into, uh, you know, full speed and um, really impressive for Geno Smith. So that was good. So that's the end of my uh, spiel on OTAs and injuries. You got anything else, Keith? No. Let's get into our <laughs> our, our main right. segment for the show. Uh, defensive ends um, in a, a in a, a three four a bare front like what Seattle's running. Um, the defensive ends um, are not the guys out wide, you know, coming around the corner. That that's the edge guys. Those are the outside linebackers. Um, defensive ends are interior. Uh, pass rushers for the most part um, and right next to the nose tackle you know usually when they run a, a, the when they go to a full bear bear front which they did a lot last year um, the nose tackle is over the center and then you put uh, each of the, the quote-unquote ends over a guard and and they're in they're in that uh, spot right up uh, right up up front and so when we're talking defensive ends in a three four we're not talking about you know the um Chris Clemens and, and Cliff Averill's of the world. We'll talk about them in the next show. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make that part clear that we're, we're still yeah. talking about some big bodied guys. And and these um, guys, what we're talking about is guys that are in the 285 range as far mm-hmm. as weight. 285 to 300 pounds is where your, you know, three, four defensive ends are going to live. Again, they're, you're, you're right. They're not the guys that are outside rushing, you know, from the nine tech or the seven tech or the, even the five tech. Usually they're playing in the inside in the three tech spot. Uh, next to the nose tackle and in, in Pete Carroll's defense, you're going to be multiple. You're going to be able to, to play a couple, two or three different positions, but that's kind of where you're going to live. You, you're right inside the tackles. Um, and um, we have a decent group. I mean, this is, <clears throat> this is the part uh, we were really concerned with the nose tackle group, you know, 
Uh, and, and this show, we did all the research. I'm sure you've kind of felt the same way. This is kind of the, the part where you start to feel pretty good about where we're at with the roster, especially with the additions we had this year. Yeah. Um, it's a, um, the, yeah, I mean, this was a group that I felt was kind of a weakness last year. Um, I mean, Shelby Harris was there, uh, and, and played well, but didn't get a lot out of the other side. Um, and, you know, obviously we're talking about defensive linemen, they don't play a hundred percent of the snaps. If your rotation set, right, they're getting, you know, your starters are getting 60. Um, and then you have rota- rotation guys and they didn't really have much that could rotate in and, and, and do well here. Um, that's not the case. I feel right now that right now, this is this, this, um, group feels really solid and that's a, it's, you know, it's an interesting spot to be. Yeah. Well, let's start with Dre Jones. Um, age 26, came over in free agency from Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. 6'3", 281 pounds, third round pick for them in 2019. Ended up working really well, but uh, they let him go in free agency, uh, which was a little bit surprising. Um, but he's been solid, not spectacular, but really a solid guy. Definitely an upgrade for us. Mm-hmm. Um, how, many, how many sacks can uh, Dre Jones get? Um, he had six and a half last season. He's got 22 sacks over his career since 2019. So he's very consistent over time. Uh, good edge defender as far as um, playing the run. And just overall, I think he's going to be a definite uh, infusion of talent well needed on that defensive line to really make an impact this year, especially stopping the run. I, you know, I think he's going to get upfield. He's going to disrupt the, the pocket. He's going to have timing. Uh, he's going to clean up. You know, especially mm-hmm. if Cameron Young has a really good season on the inside, a guy like Dre Jones is going to really benefit from that. So what do you think about this this guy? Well, I mean, he's one of the better um, the better scheme fits out there, um, just period. And, you know, when Seattle was in talks with Denver and uh, for the Russell Wilson trade, they wanted Dre Jones. He was like, when it comes to players, he was the top of the list. And Denver said no. And so it ended up working out and they ended up getting Shelby Harris, which is, was fine. Um, but the idea was that, you know, Dre Jones was going to be there long-term, but you've seen a coaching change. You've seen some other change there and they were running into some cap problems and couldn't figure out how to pay him. So he ended up walking and that was a big loss for Denver um, and a, a, a very good player, just a very good player. He's very disruptive. Um, yeah, six and a half sacks, which for your three, four defensive ends is a good, is a good, uh, thing. And, uh, they're, they paid him. I mean, they paid him pretty well, 17 million a year on average. Um, so he better come in and be disruptive and be a a major force. You're right. They did pay him. It was one of the most, well, the most expensive free agent, uh, that Seattle has brought in, uh, under the Pete Carroll regime. And, um, I'm hoping for immediate impact. Uh, immediate dividends here paid for the Seahawks defense. Um, we definitely, this is one of the areas that we definitely needed to upgrade as far as stopping the run. I, I thought that teams were able to run all over us last year, um, regardless of who was in there. I don't know if it was scheme oriented. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other guys on Seahawks Twitter, Mike Spin Move, et cetera, um, Griff, and a few other guys that definitely point to scheme as being an issue um, that the personnel wasn't necessarily the issue or being in a three, four compared to a four, three. 
Um, but there were schematic issues, coaching issues um, to point to. So we'll see about that. Clint Hurt feels confident that we've improved uh, in that area as well as upgraded our personnel. So well, I have, it was, I have good hopes. It was, a, it was a matter of personnel not matching scheme, which is why they were so up and down last year and mostly down. Um, but they had a bunch of uh, guys that athletically and skill set wise didn't fit what they were trying to do and that was was a problem and i think they're gonna they're in better shape now all right another guy we brought in um well the next two i'm going to talk about we, we brought in jaron reed came, comes back to the seahawks we originally drafted reed in the third round in 2016 now his seasoned vet comes in uh, at 6'3 313 pounds can uh play the three tech, but can also slide in for you on passing downs to the nose tackle position. Still hold up there really well, not get pushed around. Um, I like the signing. He's a steady player, not spectacular. Fits in what Pete Carroll likes. He's a good good player. I don't think that they intended to ever want him to uh, walk away. Ended up not coming to a resolution on contract terms uh, a while ago, and he left in free agency, but now back. Um, I like the the signing. It really solidifies the uh, the opposite side away from Dre Jones, and they have a nice, um, solid combo uh, starting um, twosome there. Yeah, um, this was a guy that I mean, he, when they drafted him, they played him at nose tackle for the first two years, and you know, um, he didn't do much when it comes to um, statistically and whatnot. Good player, but not great, and then. You know, he kind of exploded a little bit uh, after that when they basically they got Puna Ford yeah. in, they, they anchored Puna Ford into the um, yeah. the nose tackle spot, moved Jerron Reed over into what was a more natural spot for him and just allowed him to um, get up and get after the quarterback to, to, the, to the tune of 10 and a half sacks yeah. um, in, in 2018. Um, Plus 24 quarterback yeah. hits and 12 tackles for loss. I mean, it was a monster year for him. And that's why he wanted yeah. to get paid. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like, you know, he um, tapered back off. I mean, the 2019, if I remember right, he was hurt a bunch. And he only, that's why he ended up two, came back after that and got six and a half sacks, which for an interior guy is still huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he wanted to get paid. And the Seahawks were looking at, okay, we have, we've got, two years with a with an awful year in the middle um for production i think they were they were off in terms of overall value um so he left went to kansas kansas city and only he got two and a half sacks and then so they were like no we're we're not keeping you for the what you want so he went to green bay and he got two and a half sacks um so who is he is he the guy that got you know ten and a half with seattle back in 2018 or is he more of a two and a half to three guy. Yeah, um, I th- I think that that undersells him a little bit. Just just measuring sacks for him. Oh, I, I know. I don't but think tells the whole tale for him this last true. couple seasons. But as far as as far as when guys are getting paid what he wanted, yes. Um, as interior um defensive linemen, especially people who are interior pass pressures, um, that that is kind of what you look at. It's not a matter of him not being a good player. He's a, he's a good player. Um, it's a matter of did, you know, having his salary match what he he's doing. And he wanted to get paid as a guy who could get you 10 and a half sacks um, because he did, did that once. And the Seahawks were like, yeah, it's great. And we hope that you can get there, but 
that's not who you are. And that's where the, there was a difference. And I think that um, he had a chance to go out, test the market. He played for two other teams. Um, and now everyone is in much more of agreement about where his salary should be. And that's why he's back in a Seahawk uniform is, is just the numbers just worked out better for him. Yeah. And again, a good run defender, super run defender. He's got a good mental game about him as well. He's a he's kind of a leader. Um, came from Alabama. Is that correct? I can't remember for sure. And, um, you know, he's just a good, good overall player. I think he's going to be solid in this defense. Um, you know, lots of, uh, tackles, solo tackles, combined tackles in the last couple of years, quarterback hits were still there on average 12 and 14 successively. And I think that he can have an impact on the defense, especially when you surround him with good quality players and the Seahawks are going to do that. And so I think he's got a chance to be successful in here, at least come up to his career averages and and mm-hmm. in that account i think he's solid for us for sure okay let's move on to the rotation guys the uh, first guy i want to talk about is mario edwards uh, just quickly 6'3 285 pounds ended up not being as valuable i think as he was perceived in the draft originally but he is kind of a thick edge uh, thick defender as far as uh being able to play the run i think that's where his specialty lies is a run defender uh, will not give you really any pass rush uh, reps. I think that's where they thought he would be able to uh, come into the um, to the league and improve, and he just never did. And that's why he's kind of floated around a bunch of different teams. But he is solid. Dissertation um, guy against being the rotation guy. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. They also give him a mid salary. You can cut him. Yeah, it's definitely credible. You know, if Mike Morris comes in, and get another guy we're going to talk about in just a sec, comes in and uh, blows them out of the water as far as talent level and, and potential, uh, Mario Edwards wouldn't probably see the field very much. and He may be a guy that's cap ca- uh, camp casualty. I don't know. I don't know if that, if, um, I think that he, because he's on a minimum deal, that, and, and is there, and it, like I said, it's it's the your starters are going to play sixty percent of the snaps. They need guys to play the other forty, and he's cost effective for, um, yeah, you know that. And so I could see them holding on to him just because they can, um, and they need. I mean, it's more than just Morris. I expect Morris to win that job, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Edwards um, is on the roster too. You know, yes, I agree with all of those things. And it really does make sense for a team that is uh, focusing on getting to the playoffs and then having a little run there um, when you want to round out your roster with really good, solid depth. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. And um, you want four guys here uh, that are going to be able to to play this spot. And, um, And he would definitely be one of them as of now. When you take a look at the rest of the roster, uh, Mike Morris, uh, draft pick out of Michigan, 6'5", 290 pounds, uh, feels like, uh, I, I heard an interview with him on Brock and Salt the other day, and he was um, very confident that he could uh, stay athletic and get up to 310 pounds if that's what the team needed him to do. Um, but right now, I think he came in at, at 293 uh, officially in OTAs, um, guy was uh, Big Ten Conference Lineman of the Year in 2022. 
mm-hmm. uh, 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, um, 23 stops, three pass breakups, blocked kick, forced a couple fumbles. Um, guy's just a great all-around solid player. Defends the run really well, but also has a little juice to get around, uh, the, uh, get to the quarterback, usually with a bull rush, but he's so darn big and strong and athletic that he has that opportunity. You know, I was thinking, um, you know, the, the best case scenario for him is that he just is a solid rotation guy right behind Jaron Reed and Dre Jones. And he's on the field like 30, 40% of the time. And he really has a decent um, opportunity to do that, I think, in this defense. Oh, yeah. This was um, this was a really good draft pick and one that kind of flew under the radar because it was a fifth-round pick and, and, and all of that. But um, Because his testing was just awful, really. Yeah, I mean that's really what it comes down to. He just wasn't a guy that 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 tested well. Um, and he's a good football player. But he's a football player. Yeah. And that's the thing is is you go through and you, you, the stats are the stats, but it's it's not just oh, you know, use the stat compiler and 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 wasn't um he, he him playing. You go watch some Michigan tape, and you'll see him. He'll show up, right? He he. Um, you're like, whoa, this guy is really disruptive. How is he in the backfield so much? Um, yeah. That kind of stuff. He's a, um, but he tested t- terribly when it which came took him to out of the running life. for teams that run four three schemes and and squarely put him into like, like a three four defensive end spot. I think and where you're moving in inside a little bit. I think he, that's where he can find success. That's where his mm-hmm. his skill set is geared towards and all that stuff. That's why they asked him to put a little bit of weight on. Don't back away from the table, as Clint Hurt said. Um, and I think they want him to be around 300 pounds, where they feel like he can really set that edge for them. Yeah, not mm-hmm. you know in a traditional sense, but um, you know on the on the inside, and just kind of disrupt from the from the middle. And I think that that's a that's a great spot for him. And also have the ability to move out to you know to the five tech and, and so forth, and um, kind of be scheme diverse for them. Yeah, I mean, we're really looking at him opposite uh, Dre Jones is, at this point, it feels almost a certainty that that's where the starting alignment's going to be. Um, and Where do you I put like Jerron Reed then? You move Jerron Reed inside and, and rotate him as a as a nose tackle? Um, n- well, okay. Um, John, you're right. Jerron Reed probably gets the start as the veteran, but in terms of starter snaps, I think Morris is going to get those, and John Reed's not going to play too because he's going to he's going to um, get snaps at both sides, right? And so there's enough snaps for for three guys, um, and he'll move inside some too. So the so he'll also get his snaps, but it's who gets the snaps in that one spot. I guess um, I bet that that Morris gets more, um, you know, at that at that one spot, and and Reed moves around more in order to get his. And wow. you, but you're right as far as actual because starting just means you're on the field for the first play yeah. um it, what's more important is how many snaps are you getting and who finishes I think, too. yeah uh i think morris gets the bulk of the playing time at that at that spot and reed moves around yeah no you're yes and that may be in fact the plan and, and maybe we should be listening to these roster pings that we're seeing you know the the information from brian monet and not really going out making a defensive tackle nose tackle a priority 
uh, either in free agency or the draft after the draft, you know, we may see that, uh, that spot improve as time goes on here before the season. But uh, right now it looks like Jerron Reed is being kind of positioned, if you will, to play at least on passing downs from the nose tackle position and, um, mm-hmm. and, and have those three guys, um, Dre Jones, Mike Morris, and Jerron Reed on the field at the same time on the interior for this team. Uh, could be worse. Could be worse. I mean, <laughs> we're projecting that we're projecting this this kid, you know, as a draft pick, fifth round, to come in and, and have an impact on this team. But from everything that you're hearing and seeing, the way that you know he was kind of dropped out uh, in the draft a little bit, there's a lot to like there. There's a lot to like, but you know, he's got a long ways to go. We'll see. Yeah, looking at the, um, I went back and, and looked at. Um, you know, some of the draft stuff. And so if you look at on NFL.com, just defensive end, which for them, the way that they 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 have separated people out this year, um, defensive ends were basically just three, four defensive ends. Um, or some, you know, you can five techs also, but any anyone that's a traditional four, three defensive end, they, they called an edge. Um, and so it's just the bigger body guys. And he was listed um, based on you know Daniel Jeremiah and, and and the scouting stuff as the second best defensive end in this draft. Um, he was not the second defensive end taken. There yes. were a lot of guys, um, but they had him as as the second best with the you know because they have, they have their, their numerical scores and he was one that will um, eventually be a starter. And one of only two guys that had, or three guys that had uh, that tag in this draft. Everyone else was, um, you know, listed as a guy with a, you know, backup or maybe a special teamer and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I thought it was interesting that even though he fell, and he fell because of his testing, that the the guys that get paid to do these evaluations had him as the second best in the league. Wow. Well, wow. I mean, I can see it. I mean, the guy interviews great. Coaches rave about him. Um, players from Michigan uh, love him. Ulawatimi calls him his brother. Um, you know, there's just a lot to like there. You know, I think it's one of, the, like you said, one of the most underrated signings uh, or or draft picks I think that Seattle had. And you know, time will tell for sure. But I'm excited about this position group because it's it's decent. Now let's talk about a couple other guys. Miles Adams. He's hung around the team now for. Three years, 6'2", uh, 285, kind of a base defensive end guy, either in a 4-3 or a 3-4. To me, I think he's kind of more of a 4-3 um, guy, guy that needs a little bit of help from an outside linebacker and so forth um, on his outside edge, I think would be good for him. The uh, He's just a under-league average rotational run defender to me. It doesn't really offer you anything as far as pass rush or disrupting the pocket or anything. I'm not excited about him. I never really have been. The team keeps him around, though, for a reason. Um, so there's there's Miles Adams. Yeah, I mean, 6'2", 290. He's a little undersized. Um, not a good run defender. He's supposed to be quick and uh, with a guy with some pass rush potential um, as an interior guy. But last year when he came in and actually got on the field, um the defense like you could see he was a weakness yes um he was drop off from a a low uh, you know 
uh, yeah. low low ceiling. Uh, he was even a further drop off from that. At least and, the play and, dictated that. Yeah, and so it, it's a, it is a. I I do wonder how long he sticks around. I think that he I might don't think be he a makes good. It out of camp. I kind of don't either. He hasn't made it out of camp. Um, uh, in the last you know the two years he's been with the team, he's ended up practice squad, and then yeah, he gets a call up because they need a big body, but um. He is why I think that a guy like Mario Edwards makes the roster because they'd rather have Mario Edwards, who is a I'd better player, um, even if he's older and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, I just think that it's a, a situation where Miles Adams just unless he comes in and just has a much better year and just all of a sudden something clicked and, and he um, is doing really well. Um, I. I just go back, like I said, I go back to the tape. He just wasn't good when he was in there. Another guy, uh, MJ Anderson, undrafted mm-hmm. rookie free agent, 6'2", 270, really undersized, but the, you know, a guy like this is going to be fringy anyway. You kind of want to bring him in, see what, see what he's got. If he's got the potential, you figure out a way to either, uh, you know, put him on IR or, or get him on your practice squad and, uh, and build him up. Who knows at this point, it's very early in the a, uh, roster building process. So we'll see what happens there. But, um, you know, he's a little bit uh, of a potential guy as far as a pass rusher is concerned. He's got a little mm-hmm. bit of that interior opportunity. I don't see him, as, you know, he could be a 4-3 defensive end, but in a 3-4, you're going to want him at that three-tech spot. Um, and we'll see how he develops. Well, I mean, he's a guy that, that hasn't played a lot of football. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. This is a guy that um, hasn't, been a football player for a long time um, and therefore he's learning the game um didn't test particularly well his athleticism scores um not great but as we saw with mike morris that doesn't necessarily mean as much as you might expect with the um you know interior guys it's all about some of it's about strength and stuff but um you know he missed a year of uh, football in, in high school and then he redshirted and didn't get game time um, uh, as a freshman and then he played um, only in five games in 2020 um, and then he transferred and he only had five starts last year I mean, this, so this is a guy that that is not played a lot of football and you can kind of tell um, he has a lot to learn um, but there's something there when you look at him like you can see he's an old school football player right he's um will often use a four-point stance um rather than a three-point stance because it just what comes naturally but he's and he's a powerful kid but he doesn't have um he doesn't use his hands well because he's just basically flailing around for the most part um and his footwork is is odd and so he's a guy that just needs to be settled down and coached yeah and really just honed on on his technique and stuff so he can get more out of what he does and so he's probably a practice squad player this year so that they can do that but a guy with potential to develop into a really good player uh down the road yeah, and they're going to have him put on weight, get into the strength and conditioning room. <clears throat> Excuse me, because um, he doesn't—he <clears throat> doesn't have the athletic profile to be on the outside. 
And so they're going to want him to, to gain a little weight. He's got enough of a, you know, nimble feet and agility and, and violent hands and a high motor guy, um, to slide inside. And we'll see how that develops. You know, it's just, a, it's taking a flyer basically, but you know, they don't draft, they don't invite these guys as rookie free agents to come in just willy nilly. There's a purpose. Mm-hmm. There's, they want to see these guys up close and, and, um, you know, he hung around enough at this point where, um, you know, they've already cut a few peripheral kind of guys and added new guys and so forth. That's this time of the year where it's just kind of a shuffle going on mm-hmm. kind of back and forth. And if he's hanging around, we'll see if he, he makes it in the training camp. You know, if he does, they really are interested in him and see what they've got. And then you're right. Stash him on the practice squad, build him up for a year, see what happens next year. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, um, where his spot is. So according to, um, Pro Football Focus's like tracker, he has 608 in-game snaps as a college player. Yeah, wow. that's how little that's how little time he's gotten on the field. And so this is definitely a um, project who needs to be viewed as such. Yeah, that's equivalent to one season, you know, in the NFL, basically. Um, okay, so let's let's that's it. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the list that I've got. How about you? Anybody nope, else? that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going through the edge players to, um, to make sure we didn't miss one that's listed there but not going to play there. And I, Nope, I think we got it. Yeah, I think so. so. All right, well, let's get out of here. It was a good show. Thanks for uh, sticking with us on the first 15 minutes when I rattled on about you know what I was seeing in OTAs and, and Michael Sean Duger was and uh, all the injury stuff and getting into the bulk of the show uh, at defensive end. I like the group. I'm a, I, this is where, I, again, I start to get excited about the defense is this group. The next group that we're talking about is even just, for me, just a little bit more um, of, a, of a group that I really like that uh, together combined. I, I, I'm feeling better about this defense the more I kind of dig into it a little bit. Now, there's a lot of projection there as far as, you know, can it all come together? But my optimism uh, in June is is pretty high, and so uh, I'm hopeful, you know, that uh, we've got something here that we can build on. But anyway, that's it. Let's get out of here. Let's get out find, of here. Find Keith on Twitter, at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawk's Playbook on Twitter, and you can find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube, and when you do, hit that subscribe button, and if you feel like you like the show, leave us a positive review. That always helps. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.